above all names, you may be a name that is worthy to be praised, a name that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess who he is, the name of Jesus. May we always reverence that name, worship that name. Our world likes to take that name in vain, but they don't know what they're doing to our precious Savior. It's a name never to be taken in vain, never to be used empty. What a God we serve this morning. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, continuing our series in the book of Mark. I don't know about you, I've enjoyed this series in the book of Mark, and even if you haven't, I have, and so hopefully you have too. And uh, last week, and did anyone, I don't think anybody got sick from the Lord's Supper last week, did you? Whew, I think we, I think I did all right. The, everything, the grape juice and the bread must have turned out okay. And so I didn't hear any reports. I prayed all Sunday afternoon that no one was going to get sick. They come back and say, the pastor served me some sort of Kool-Aid in church. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, never. You got always got to watch when the pastor's serving Kool-Aid and serving something to drink in church. You got to watch out for that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's good. Don't worry about it, and that's fine. Mark chapter 14, last week, probably if it would have been a normal message on a Sunday, I would have gone through the Passover, the Lord's Supper in that area, and I would have finished up with these verses. So really, last week I only gave you a half sermon. And this week I'm only going to give you about another half sermon. I like to close with a complete thought before we get into the next area as we go through. But that didn't happen this time. And literally what I do is, if you look in my Bible, it's broken up into sections. And so I just go through the sections is what I do. When you say, why don't you do it? I don't know. I, um, in Bible college, they never taught me to go verse by verse through a passage of scripture. That was never taught. I was taught how to do topical preaching, and I can do top, and I've, I love, topical preaching is good. It's important. I believe there's a lot of great to it, as long as you take a text and put it, and it's got to be in context as you go through. Because you can take a lot of verses and make it say a lot of different things very easily. The context matters when it comes to the Bible. But as we go verse by verse, and we go through a book, I'm learning as I go. And so we're learning together. And so sometimes it'll seem very simple. Today, it's really simple. And it's not going to be very complicated today. But then I want to park a little bit on why did the disciples forsake him? All of them. What were some things? Because this is the thing that I see in the Bible. I am glad that I wasn't written about in a book for everyone to see everything, things about me. Even my best things I really don't want people seeing, and then my worst moments I don't want those mentioned either. You know, you have Moses is mentioned a long time. You're gonna have, you have a lot of good and you have a lot of bad with Moses because he's not a perfect man. You have uh, David. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad right there. You look at Peter. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. You look at Jesus. There's a lot written about him, and it's all good. I love that. And this morning... I want you to look with me. We're going to start in verse 27 is actually where we're starting today. And it says, And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, Yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, 
that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Interesting few verses right here. Judas has already left to betray Jesus. Jesus makes some statements here that are going to happen. And I've told you before, when it comes to the type of Christian I want to be, I want to be like Jesus. That is my goal. I'm never In this lifetime, I'm never going to obtain it, but that's who I'm aiming for. He is my standard. When it comes to how I want to be as a Christian, I don't look to a pastor. You shouldn't look to me on how to live the Christian life, because I'm going to fail often. If you want to look towards what I'm doing, you look at me as we look to Jesus, and he's the one we're following. He's the standard. Too many times in Christianity, we want to place people in positions and spots, and when we do that, we get in trouble. Because men at their very best are just that. They're men. They're frail, and they will fail. I promise you this. Eleven of the best Christians to ever live are the disciples that are mentioned right here. Far better than most of us in this room today. I know they're better than me in, the Christ, in their Christian walk. They forsook everything to follow the Lord. And if they could mess up, we definitely can today. If they could fail and bail on God, we can do the same thing. But what I love about Jesus, the Bible tells us in John chapter number 1, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. What we have in Christianity today, and I've mentioned this before, and I'm only going to take a second on it, is we have churches that are full of truth, yet don't have his grace. And then on the other end, you're full of those who are full of grace that have no truth. And it sounds like a hard thing, and I always heard growing up, you don't want to be, you don't want to be in the middle of anything. You don't want to be, you don't want to be lukewarm, you want to be hot or cold. But in the Christian life, I want to be balanced. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like this crowd, and I don't want to be like this crowd. I want what some of this crowd has, and I want what some of that crowd has. But I don't want all of what they have. I want to put it into Jesus and be more like him. You're going to see today that Jesus was not afraid to speak the truth and to tell the truth. But in the midst of the truth, he showed grace. What is grace? What is grace? Mercy and grace. A lot of times we get the two confused. But there's a big difference between the two. And even in the songs that we sing, mercy there was great and grace was free. Mercy, not getting what I deserve. That's what mercy is. What do each one of us deserve today? Hell and judgment. That's all we deserve. That's why I hear people, I deserve better. No, we get thinking we deserve, we don't deserve anything. We deserve death and hell is what we deserve. That, if we're being honest today, 
So not getting what we deserve is mercy. What is grace? Grace is not only not getting what I deserve, but getting all of God's benefits on top of it. Grace is the fact that the Spirit of God can talk to a dead man and convict them of their need of salvation. Grace is the fact that once you get saved, not only are you saved from eternity in hell, but you get to go to heaven someday. Grace is the fact, not only are you saved from going to hell and you get to go to heaven, but you have the Holy Spirit with you today. You get the fruit of the Spirit today. That's what grace is. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. I want to take a little bit of time this morning to look at the truth that Jesus had to say and the grace that he displayed and then give you some thoughts on how not to do and maybe some things that the disciples were doing that hindered them and led to what they were about to do. Father, we need your help this morning. Pray that you guide us, help us as we look at this passage today. And I pray that you would just meet with us and we need your help today. Bless this morning. Guide my thoughts. I pray that the Spirit of God would work in this service today as we listen to your word and help us get something from you and leave here today different because of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I'll tell you this, anytime you get in the word of God, you can always leave somewhere different and get something. The problem is never the word of God. It's what's receiving it. We look here this morning points are going to be very simple. We'll get right into it. Number one, we see truth. Jesus is about to let them know some things. If you remember last week, in the past couple weeks, they have that Passover meal together, and Jesus tells them, one of you is going to betray me. Is it I? Is it I? They all wondered if it was them. And then Jesus, as we looked at last week, he took bread and showed them what that bread represented, his body being broken for them. The juice represented his blood being shed and him being crushed so that we could have life. We saw how Jesus said he's not going to drink of that last cup until we're with him again. And I can't wait for that day where we get to be with Jesus and that happens. But as the Bible says in verse 26, and when they sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. We're getting close to Jesus being arrested and tried, crucified, and dying. We're at the very end here. There's not much more to go before that happens. In fact, we'll look at a prayer, a prayer next week in the garden, and then literally after that, he gets arrested. We're hours, in the next few hours, all this takes place. It's all been leading up to this. All that we've studied in the book of Mark so far is leading up to Christ dying for us. We see Jesus said unto them, as they went out into the Mount of Olives, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. The word offended means to take offense and to fall into sin. That's literally what it means. As we look here and we think about this, um, this verse is actually quoted from Zechariah chapter 13 and verse number 7, a prophecy. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. 
and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. Now you'll notice, if you look, look at your Bibles there in Mark 14, verse 27, there is something a little different said in Mark 14, 27 than what is said in Zechariah 13, 27. Keep up for me, keep up Zechariah for me, because you should have your Bibles open to that other passage still. So as we look there, it says, if you look, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. It says, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. What does it say here in verse 20, as we look here in verse 27? All ye shall be offended this night because of me, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Do you see what's different there? I will. Referring to God himself, smiting the shepherd. The word smite means to put to death, and scatter means to disperse. So literally what it says, I want you to understand something here. It was not Judas that had Jesus put to death. It was not the chief priest. It was not you and I. God did it. That's what it says, I will smite. You see that right there? That lets us know that this was God himself. It was not the religious leaders of the day, not Judas. God himself smote Jesus for us. It pleased him to bruise him. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? And Jesus tells them all the truth, and we see letter A, that all the disciples will be offended and scattered. All of them. Every single one. What a group, right? One goes out and betrays him, and now the other 11 are all going to be offended by him, and they're going to go scatter. Wow, what a group. They were quite a group. Jesus tells them the truth. What does the Bible tell us? In Mark 14, verse number 50, it says, And they all forsook him and fled. When Jesus says something, he's always right about what he says. He speaks truth. Jesus said, you're all going to be offended by me. You're all going to leave. You're all going to scatter. And what did they do? Exactly what Jesus said. The truth that Jesus was telling them was the fact that all of them would be offended and scattered. Letter B, he also says that Peter's going to deny me. What do we see right after that verse? Verse 29 says, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Peter is like, there. I'm not going to do that. And if you study the other Gospels, you'll see that the disciples, even up to this time, had a problem. As Jesus was trying to tell them what was going to happen, what was going to take place, they were arguing about who the best one of them was still. That's what they're doing at this time. And I think Peter in his pride here is like, Lord, I am one of the best. There's no way I'm going to do this to you. No way. Not me. No how, no way. I will never fail you. It's not going to happen. And then look at what Jesus says even more to him in verse 30. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he, Peter, spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, 
I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Peter goes on even, the word vehemently there means to emphatically protest over and above. There is no way I'm going to deny you. So just think on this for a minute. Jesus says, guys, you're all going to be offended by me. You're all going to scatter this night. Peter says, Lord, not me. It's not going to happen. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, not only are you going to scatter, but you're going to deny me three times before the cock crow twice. And the Bible says that Peter protested even more. He was adamant. There is no way I would die with you. There's no way I'm going to deny you. So who was right? Look at Mark 14, verse 72. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the words that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. What did Jesus say? Guys, you're all going to leave. Did they all leave? They all left. We see that Jesus said, Peter, Peter says, not me. You're going to deny me. What happens? Peter denies him. Jesus is truth. He speaks truth. What he says is truth. We need people today to speak the truth of God's word. We live in a day and age where politicians and people like to say what everyone likes to hear. I don't think the disciples like to hear what Jesus had to say here. But the truth isn't always about what we like to hear. It's the truth, and the truth matters. And maybe sometimes you can't handle the truth. You still need the truth. The truth matters. And Jesus speaks the truth. But did you notice in verse 28 there? Look at this verse. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. What did he just tell them in verse 27? Hey guys, you're all going to be offended by me. You're all going to leave. You're all going to scatter. My thoughts might be, how could you? Why would you do that to me? It's not what Jesus says. He speaks truth, but number two, he speaks grace. He speaks grace. Look there at that verse again. Jesus says what's going to happen, but he says, but after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Do you know this is the fifth time that Jesus talked about the fact that he was going to die and rise again? And yet they still weren't there that day when he rose again? But what did Jesus say? I'll go find you. Hey guys, you're going to be offended by me. You're all going to leave. After I rise, I'll find you. I still love you. I still care about you. You might leave me, but I'm not going to leave you. The grace of God. Are you thankful for his grace today? I can just picture Jesus here telling all them that they're going to all deny him and they're all going to they're all going to be offended and all leave 
And I can just see his grace-filled face say, but when I rise again, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to find you. Think about what the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 34, verse number 12. As the shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. See, Jesus isn't looking for perfect people today because he's never going to find them. He's looking for people that just have a desire to walk with him. And he's willing to show grace. Marvelous grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Jesus is about to die. His one disciple's already left to go betray him. And the others are all going to flee. And they're worried about who's the greatest. Jesus says, guys, you're all going to leave. But when I rise again, I'm going to come find you. Now later on in the book of Mark here, we know that when he rose from the dead, the angel said, hey, go tell his disciples and Peter. I'm thankful that I serve a gracious God today. And man, I need to be more gracious to people than what I am. I need to speak the truth and know the truth and share the truth. But I also need to share God's grace as well. That's what we see with Jesus. But you think about this this morning. How could these guys that love the Lord, I know they love the Lord, they left everything to follow him, didn't they? They left their jobs. How many of you, if Jesus came today and said, hey, follow me and quit your job and follow me, how many of you would do it? I hope we all would do it. Who's going to take care of my family? Who's going to do this? Well, God took care of them, didn't he? He took care of them. He'd take care of you too. These guys are good men. They love Jesus. And they probably didn't think this would ever happen to them. Isn't there times in our lives where, and this is the thing, there are a lot of people in the Christian life that do a lot of bad things. But do you know the seeds of all those bad things are found inside of each and every one of us this morning? You are no better than a person that's sitting in jail today. You're no better than a murderer today. You're not. Because those seeds can very easily be planted, and look what happened to David in his life. Well, I didn't do, oh, be very careful what you say you don't do. Sin is awful. Sin wrecks lives. Sin ruins marriages. Sin ruins homes. Sin has messed up everything since the Garden of Eden. And inside of us dwells no good thing. So we got to be careful. There are some things that we look at with the disciples and some application this morning as we dive into the end of our message. And I said the message wouldn't be very long, and I'm already probably going to go till 930, but that's okay. We're going to go what we need to. Why, what are, and let me just be honest with you this morning. I'm not a scholar. I don't have all the answers. But I believe looking at the disciples in their life, that there are things that I can learn to help me so that maybe I don't make some of the mistakes they made. Isn't that why we have the Bible? To see from their example on things maybe to do 
and what not to do? You know the biggest problem with history? Is the fact that men don't learn from past history and repeat the same mistakes over and over again. If we could learn, imagine where America could be today if we would just not fall back into the trap that we're falling into today. Socialism and communism were bad things. They used to be. And now people don't seem to care too much. I'll leave that there and let you think on that one yourself. But what did the disciples do? Why did the disciples fail? Number one, I believe it's because of pride. Pride. They never thought they could fail. Isn't that, didn't it say there? After Peter said, not I, Lord, and he even says, there's no way. All the other disciples says, yeah, no way, we're not going to do this. They never thought they could fail. They believed they were above all of that. Let me just remind you this morning, because all of us are prone to pride, there are some passages we got to keep in our mind. You are not above it today. I would never do what so-and-so, oh, be careful what you say. They thought they were above, well, I'll never deny you, and yet they did. Some of the greatest Christians to ever walk on this planet. The man after God's own heart had a man killed, committed adultery, and sinned great sin in his life. And I bet he believed he never would have done that. Moses, do we need to talk about Moses today? Abraham, we can go down the list. Pride is a problem. Because we think, I wouldn't do that, I'm better than them. Inside each of us, there's sin. You are no better than any other sinner walking on the face of this planet. I am no better than any other sinner walking on the face of this planet. If, and since I'm saved, the only thing better about me than a lost sinner is the fact that I have Jesus in me and the Spirit, so I should do better than a lost person does. But it's not me that's better. It's what I gained at salvation. Does that make sense? Pride. What does the Bible say about pride? Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. What was Satan's problem? What was Lucifer's problem in heaven? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like the Most High. Pride. What was one of the sins that happened in the Garden of Eden? You could be like God and know good and evil. Pride. Pride. Pride is one of the sins that we all commit. Hey, ever fight in your marriage? Any, ever have a fight? Ever have a fight with a friend? Ever have a fight with a coworker? Only by pride come a contention. We are all prone to pride. But pride goeth before destruction, the haughty spirit before a fall. Bible tells Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. I'm not, what did these guys do? Peter, there's no way I'm going to deny you. He trusted himself and not what Jesus had to say. And he was very foolish in that. Pride. We look at the next verse, Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Love this verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed 
lest he fall. We're not above sinning. We are one decision away from stupid. One decision away from every stupid decision we make. One decision. It's where it all begins. I would never do that, Pastor. Oh, the disciples said they would never not follow the Lord. And what happened? Pride. Be careful how much you think of yourself. Because this is the problem. Brian gets in trouble because of Brian. Did you know that? It's not Satan that made Brian do it. I taught the, in our young adults and teen class last Sunday night. We were, look, we were going through the book of James. Satan doesn't make you do it. God doesn't tempt you with evil things to do it. Well, then who does it? We are tempted when we're drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. It's me. Hey, that day in the garden, it wasn't Eve's fault that Adam ate the fruit. It was Adam's fault. It wasn't the serpent's fault that Eve did it. Eve did it. And the serpent had no one else to blame. Pride. Quit thinking so much of yourself. And then the problem is, some people think, you know, they put themselves down, but at the end of the day, you're still thinking about yourself. We need to remove self from the picture. There are so many, and if you're sitting in this room, I'm going to make this statement, and this might apply to you. There are a lot of people in our church and uh, that I know around that really need help in areas in their life. The problem is they're trying to get it figured out themselves. You won't. You're the problem. You need God, and you need His help. You know, I hear people say often that phrase, God won't give you any more than you can handle. The Bible never says that. I know people like to say that it says that, but I do believe that this would be more biblical to say it this way. God won't give you more than he can handle. We're supposed to let him handle it. You know, this morning, when God looks at me, he doesn't see all the good things Brian's done, because Brian's things add up to nothing. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus, not because of anything I've done. Pride's a big problem. In our churches today, pride's a big problem. And I believe it's one of the problems for the disciples. Number two. Number two. Self-deception. Self-deception. I think that the disciples kind of thought that they loved God more than anything else. But you've got to understand something. You might love God more than anything else at one moment, but there are other times in your life where you love yourself more than you love God. It happens. And uh, the Bible tells us in Galatians 6.3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And there are many people today that are deceiving themselves. I love God. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments. That's, that's what Jesus said. Do you really love God? Oh, I do. I would never do anything against God. Probably making that statement, you just sinned against God. Lord, we're never going to deny. There's no way I deny you. I'll die with you. I would not deny you. Self-deception. If it's right in with pride, we get thinking too much of ourselves. We're just sinners saved by the grace of God. Number three. Number three. Fear. 
I believe fear was a big reason behind what happened here. Fear. These men were confident they'd go Jesus to death, but then they were about to face, they were going to go face to face with some fear. Fear has caused many of God's children to fall back on their testimony from God. I think the psalmist said, I will not fear what man can do unto me. But fear. We live in fear. I saw a funny, I saw a funny little uh, video the other day. It was, uh, they took that from Home Alone. I think it's, it's the first Home Alone. Or, yeah, or when he, whenever he, New York's number two, so it's number one. So he's Home Alone, and he goes outside at late at night, and it said... I've just gotten my third booster. I'm good to go. And you know, he goes outside and says, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. And then you got that old man with his trash can. And then they put the word monkey pox there. And he looks at it, ah, and runs back in the house. I thought that was pretty funny. But I talk about Home Alone. It gets some laughs in church. It gets you awake. Talk about Bible. Now, anyways, we won't go any further with that. But fear. They feared. They feared for their lives. They stayed in the upper room, shut up from everything because they feared what was taking place. And fear is a real reason why they left the Lord. Fear is easy. Look in our world in the past couple years. A lot of fear. Good Christians fear. Fear does a lot of things to you. But may I just remind you this morning, we are not to fear men of this world. We're not to fear the devil. We're to fear God and keep his commandments. He's the only one we're supposed to fear. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But I honestly believe that fear is one of the reasons that led them to this fear. Fourthly, ignorance. Ignorance. I think this one gets a lot of people nowadays, too. I want you to take your Bibles with me. Let me see. Actually, in your notes, you got some of it there, but Luke 22, verse 31 through 34. It says, look at what the Bible says. Look at what Jesus said to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he that saith unto thee, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt deny me th or shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Is that, I think some of that's missing there, but the gist of it is, Jesus said, hey, Peter, Satan wants to get you. Satan has it out for you. Satan knows what lies ahead. Well, he, he wants to sift you as wheat. Do you know something this morning? Sometimes we get in trouble 
because we're just plain ignorant. Do you know Satan wants nothing more than to hinder you from doing what God wants you to do? You know, that's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 10, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Hey, Christian, let me ask you, did you put on your armor today? Oh, Satan's not going to attack. You're ignorant. You're ignorant. Satan wants nothing more than to hinder you from doing the work of God. And let me just remind you today, you cannot face Satan on your own. You and I are not strong enough today. You need the armor of God. And that's why it's mentioned in the Bible. Put on your armor. Be ready for Satan's attacks because they're going to come. Take heed and watch out because if you don't, you could fall. It's not going to happen to me. I'm good. You're not good. I'm not good. None of us are good. He is good. And him alone. We're ignorant. I can do this myself. Without me, ye can do nothing. Oh, but I can handle this battle. You cannot handle the battle yourself. Pastor, are you saying I'm weak? Yeah, and I'm saying I'm weak this morning. I can't stand when I need to. The things that I don't want to do are a lot of times the things I end up doing. Because I have flesh. I'm weak, I'm frail, and I'm not what I should be all the time. And instead of being ignorant to that fact, i got to be able to look in the mirror and say, Hey, Brian, you can't do this on your own. You need God's help. Get your armor on and stand ready for battle so that when the battle comes, you're ready to stand, ready to go. When you go to war, you got to put on your armor. You need your sword. You need to be able to move forward. Doesn't do someone very good to go to battle with no armor. I believe that they were ignorant. Hey, Christian, never say never today. There are people in this room who someday are going to look back on their lives and say, I never thought that that would have happened to me, but it did. Maybe you need to just lose that pride today. Maybe today you need to quit lying to yourselves. Maybe today you've got to put the fear away. Maybe today you've got to remove the ignorance. What do we need to do today? Why don't you take your Bibles with me to one last passage, and we'll be done here in just a minute. Revelation chapter number 2. So, Pastor, what can I do today? I'm, I'm hurting in some of these areas. I think Jesus gave some great advice to the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2, verse number 1, And unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them that are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, 
and hast not fainted, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore, look at this here, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember who you are today. Just an old sinner saved by grace. And I've got a new man, but you know what? As long as I live in this flesh, the old man is still here. The old man still wants to do those things contrary to God. And I cannot let pride creep in and make me think I'm something special when I'm not. I can't deceive myself into thinking I can handle everything myself, because I can't. I can't let fear get in the way from doing what God wants me to do. And I can't be ignorant to Satan's devices. I can't be in, uh, uh, ignorant to Satan's wiles, his trickery. I've got to put on my armor. Last two verses I want you to see is Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, Bear ye, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, it's not every Christian that can go help someone who's fallen and restore them got to be ones that are spiritual, mature. Because we realize in the midst of it that that could be me. That person who's sinned and feels like nobody loves them and no one wants anything to do with them. Don't get me wrong, there needs to be repentance and things must get right. And then there are some things you forfeit by the actions you commit. But remember that church in Corinth? They let that man just stay there in his adultery. And then they finally kick him out. And then they won't receive him back in 2 Corinthians. God's in the business of restoring people. And how we do that is we remember the fact that if not for the grace of God, that could be me. Don't think too much of yourself. And don't think too little of yourself. Just don't think about yourself. That's what we need today. Father.